God's grace, our sin was great, but his grace is greater. That's why we can celebrate communion, too. So the rescue slide's up on the screen, and it's a reminder of, uh, really, why we're doing what we're doing right now, that we were rescued. In 1 Corinthians 11, um, the text where we get uh, to celebrate communion, Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. And on that night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread Gave thanks to God for it. Verse 26. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So ready or not, Jesus is coming, friends. (laughs) He's coming. And, uh, you know, we've done communion here a lot. But today we're going to just focus in on that last part. Every time we do it, every time we celebrate, you and I are announcing that Jesus is coming again. And that's a promise. So, yeah. (laughs) Appreciate the worship, man. Thank the Lord for that, yeah. So why are we, um, Paul says, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. First of all, if Jesus was dead, he would not be coming back again. But we're announcing the Lord's death because he was in the tomb for three days. But then he came out alive, and uh, right now he's up in heaven He's praying for you and for me. So really, ready or not, uh, Jesus is coming. In Luke 17, the reason why we're going to kind of hang out on this thought, Jesus himself said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. What I find interesting is Jesus himself is endorsing Noah, and he's endorsing the flood. You will find that those who are critical of the Bible, that are critical of Christianity, this is one of the areas that they try to undermine, that this flood was not true, that there was no boat, that there was no flood that took over the planet Earth. And the reason they do that is to undermine the credibility of the Bible. So if you ever want to think about it, Jesus himself was putting his stamp of approval on Noah, the boat, and the flood. So if you struggle with that for any time, I just want to encourage you, does Jesus lie? We've talked about this many times. Jesus never lies. You can trust every word. He keeps his promises. And for some reason, I think when Jesus was looking at humanity, he could see into the future where today in our culture, 
People are undermining the fact that there was a flood, that there was Noah, etc., and etc. And so he's addressing it head on. And he's saying, hey, when I return, it's going to be like Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, when you read that text, you might think, um, man, that doesn't sound very nice. You know, It, it doesn't. Why would God, who loves people, destroy them? You have to keep in mind that it took Noah 120 years to build this boat. Is that a long time? Is that a day, a week, a month? No, 120 years. What do you think Noah was doing when he was building that boat? People never saw the boat before. Never saw one of those. He had the opportunity to say, hey, God told me there's going to be a worldwide flood. And guess what? I'm living for God because I can trust him. I'm building this boat because he told me to. You can make a decision to put your faith in God as well. And you can be rescued from this flood. Think about it, 120 years, over and over again, Noah is shooting a flare into the air to mankind to say, hey, you have time to make a decision, a choice, to put your faith in God. That same thing is going on today. And uh, we'll talk more about that as we go on. Genesis 6, 5, and 6, we'll see the curtain pulled back when you see the character of God here. It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. So let's, let's pause. The Lord observed. In other words, God is not in some distant place, hidden out, you know, closed in because the world is so even. No, he, he sees what's going on. It says he saw everything they thought. In other words, even if you don't say it, if you think it, God knows our thoughts. Your imaginations, he knows everything you imagine, good or bad. It was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry. Have you ever uh, come to that point in your life, maybe where you, there was so much sorrow you carried with you? Here we see the Lord was sorry he had ever made human beings and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. I think we've all experienced a broken heart somewhere along the way in life. And you can see that the God who created you had a broken heart. Because humanity said no to God. They said yes to evil. And they went about living their lives that way. And so God, man, his heart was broken. And he went after mankind over and over again. And they kept saying, no, we don't want. But I think it's interesting that thousands of years after Noah and the flood, Jesus chooses to endorse uh, Noah by talking about him. He puts his stamp of approval on him. And uh, Jesus was basically saying, hey, every time you think about Noah, uh, you should be thinking about Jesus coming back again. 
That's the context of this verse that we read in Luke 17. And Jesus is making this connection to Noah. He's putting his face on the screen and the time that Jesus is coming back to earth. And um, that's, that's pretty cool. He tells us this, this as well to let us know what our culture is going to be looking like when he comes back. Matthew 24, 30. And then at last, the sign of that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You may think that our culture is putting Jesus in a box, putting him in a closet, putting him in a museum, hoping that he's going to go away. But let me tell you, in world history, um, that's not the case because Jesus is going to show up, what it says here, with power and great glory. He's coming back. And so... Jesus will come to a world that's basically modeling the world when Noah was alive. When you look at the human wickedness, everything that God sees in our world today, it breaks his heart, just like it did back in Noah's day. And at the same time, there's going to be a boat that was built to save Noah and his family. There is an ark of safety, a boat of safety that you and I can step onto, and that is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That is that place of safety. And we look at Noah's day for 120 years as he's proclaiming this message that, hey, you have an opportunity to put your faith in God, and they rejected him and said, no, we don't want anything to do with it. Nobody took Noah seriously. And you might be here this morning, and maybe somebody brought you to church and You yourself, you're not taking God seriously. You think, man, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe the Bible. But that's okay. You can believe that. But when you stop and look at the picture of the time of Noah, those same people said, no, we don't believe it either. But when the flood came, what happened? Every single one of those people perished. And it proved the fact that God was right. That's why there was a boat. And Jesus went to the cross and he provided a way that you and I can be rescued from the flood that's coming. Hebrews 2.3, so what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? You know what's interesting about that word? If we ignore this great salvation, maybe you're ignoring this great salvation. That word salvation literally means a saving, a preservation. It's a rescue word. If we ignore this great rescue that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself, that's the incredible thing that God gave you and I the freedom to choose. We can put our trust in him or we can reject him, just like those people back in Noah's day. They had the power to choose. And they said no. But we know that Jesus came to this planet to pay our sin debt in full. I was on death row spiritually. It was hopeless, except Jesus came to this planet 
to become my substitute. He was my substitute. He was your substitute. He took your place, my place on the cross to pay for our sin dead in full. And he paid my penalty in full. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, you could say, if I'm going to live my life without God, the reward for that is death. It's eternal separation from God. But, but, there's a good but, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. And he's offering it to you. So he walked out of that grave so he could walk into your life and my life. Why? Because, as we mentioned earlier, God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what it's all about. Genesis 7-1, when everything was ready, when the boat was built, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal. I have approved for eating and for sacrifice. And take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Seven days from now, I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things that I have created. So you see the ark. Uh, If you ever go to Kentucky, the ark encounter, um, we've been there. It's pretty cool. I can tell you when we got onto the parking lot and we saw this thing from a distance, it took our breath away. This thing is huge. And it's the exact size that Noah built back in the day. So friends, if you're struggling with this fact about Noah, you know, And the boat, the flood, I encourage you to go to Kentucky. Make an investment with you and your family. It's well worth it. But we see that there it is. That's what Noah was building for 120 years. And it says there must be male and female. Take a look at these animals getting on board as well. Um, That's an artist's rendering. This is more realistic. Can you imagine huh? a living zoo walking onto the ark? Huh? That's the way God planned it. How did that happen? Can God do that? I think so. I believe God can talk to an animal and say, you see that ark over there? Get on. Even the animals obeyed him. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, Seven days from now I will make the rains pour down on the earth and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. So what does Noah do? Does he debate God? Does he say, no, I've never heard of stuff like this before? No, it says Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. There is something profound about walking in obedience to God's word. God spoke to Noah in an audible voice. God is speaking to you and I through his word today. And when we read it, we need to obey it. As Noah obeyed the Lord's voice then, we need to obey him today. Noah was 600 years old, verse 6. When the flood covered the earth, he went on board the boat to escape the flood, he and his wife and his sons and their wives. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. 
Verse 11, when Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. It's pretty serious. This isn't a game. This is an opportunity that we can put our faith in Christ so that we can live with him forever and ever. Verse 13, that very day Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his son Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with the birds of every kind. Two by two they came to the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered just as God had commanded Noah. And then the Lord closed the door behind them. When you take a look at, there's only one door to the ark. There wasn't a front door, a back door, a side door. There was one door. And it says that God closed the door. Why? Because the timing, God has perfect timing for everything. And when everything was ready, you go back to Genesis 7, 1, when everything was ready, the Lord closed the door. Do you realize that there's coming a day when the Lord will close the door on world history when he comes back again? Where men and women who have become so arrogant and full of pride to think that they are so cool? No, there's coming a day when God will set everything in order. One door. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's one way. There's one way that you can put your, tr- your faith in Christ, and that's going through Jesus Christ. You know, trying harder, working harder, doing good deeds, being nice to people. That's not in that verse. There's one door on the ark, and there's only one way to get to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. So Noah's walk of faith and obedience really is powerful when you consider the culture that he was living in. When you look at Daniel in Babylon, at least he had his three buddies with him, right? Here's Noah. He's got his family, but it says nobody else was righteous. He alone was living in a culture that was totally pagan and corrupt. And we see that Noah was walking with God consistently. In Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah, verse 9b, was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. We've talked about, uh, as Life Church, we are in radical pursuit in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to be radical about it. Noah had to be radical about pursuing God in this culture. The culture did not impact him, but he was faithful to God. Ephesians 5.1, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. 
Just like Noah, you and I have the same opportunity in our culture today to imitate God in everything we do. What a privilege that is. Yeah. And Noah lived to please God. That was his passion. That was his mission in life. He walked with God. So God spared Noah and his family from this flood. Hebrews 11.7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Noah built this large boat and he obeyed God. What I like, again, about this story of Noah God spoke to Noah about the future. He said, in 120 years, I'm going to send a flood. He looked into the future, going down to quarters of world events. Do you realize that you and myself have that same opportunity? Because when you read the Bible, God has given us a picture of what world events are going to happen. We have a picture of the coming of the Lord. We have a picture of how this world is going to end one day. Why? Because God loves you and he wants to share the future with you. So Noah heard the voice of God and he acted on it. He followed God's direction. Genesis 6, 13, God told Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth So build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar, inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. So God is continuing to have this conversation with Noah to give him the details, the blueprint of how he would build this big boat. And when you think about Noah, there was no source of like a lake or ocean nearby. He was building this boat on dry land. He didn't have a truck or a trailer to take the boat when he was finished with it to the water. Think about it. He's building this thing on dry land. Can you imagine what his neighbors were thinking? Can you imagine what they were saying about him? This boat is a, uh, about a, a one and a half football fields in length. So if you look 100 yards, 150 yards out, four stories high, the thing is massive. That's why it took Noah 120 years to build, man. The thing was huge. In Genesis 6, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. How about you? Are we living our lives today exactly how God has told us to live? Or are we pushing the envelope back on him and saying, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. But can you imagine for 120 years, Noah as an axe, and he's chopping all these trees down. Do you think he ever got tired? Do you think he ever got discouraged? It's possible, but he finished the job. He never quit. He never quit. That's the same kind of mindset that we need to have on our culture today, that we will never quit in our walk with Christ. 
We see in 2 Peter 2.5, God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Now, when you look at the Titanic, that, that ship that was supposed to be unsinkable, people put their trust in that ship that they would get from one starting point to the finish line. But one iceberg took that ship down. And when you look at the people on that boat that were literally trying to survive in the ocean in those cold waters, something that people had put their trust in did not fulfill their dreams. 1,500 people perished because of that. Friends, we are not going to get on a Titanic that says it's unsinkable. We are going to put our faith in Jesus Christ and know we will get to the other side because he is faithful. And when that ship, Titanic, was going down, the musicians on board started playing, Nearer, my God, to thee. Why? Because that was a wake-up call, friends. They were going off into eternity. Many of these people were very affluent, successful, you know, they were perishing. I believe in 2023 and going into the future, the musicians in our minds should be playing nearer to the heart of God. That should be our desire. That should be our passion. And so we see that Noah walked and talked the same. He was consistent. And we see that we are witnessing these days like Noah saw back in the day. Luke 21, 28 says, So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. In other words, Jesus is coming soon. That's the incredible warning that we have. There's many dramatic uh, images from the military action known as Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, Back in 2003, coalition forces were advancing quickly from the Kuwaiti border, heading into the capital of Baghdad. Days after the invasion, uh, there there was an army troop uh, of trucks that took a wrong turn, and what happened is they ended up in the middle of an enemy ambush. One of those driving the trucks was Jessica Lynch, and she was captured March 23rd, 2003. She was wounded extensively, shattered bones, damaged spine, and during that ambush, she was taken to a hospital 200 miles southeast of Baghdad. The enemy had captured her. She was secured into a hospital bed. She was a POW. It looked hopeless for a rescue. Why? Because nobody knew what happened to her. But here's the cool thing. Acting on a tip of Iraqi sympathizers, they got a hold of allied forces and said, we know Jessica Lynch is in a hospital. You can rescue her. And that's exactly what they did. So you can see a picture of her on the screen and um, 
special operations came in the middle of the night, fighting forces that were shooting against them. They were able to make it into Jessica's room rescue. We put her on a helicopter, and Jessica was rescued because these men put their lives on the line to save her. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been over in Iraq, and I don't, you know, I've never been a POW, so I can't really identify with what Jessica went through. But I can tell you, I do know how it feels to know that when I was rescued from sin, when I was rescued from the enemy of my soul, I can tell you, that's the real deal. God gave it all. He sent Jesus to pay the price in full. And today we can celebrate that with communion. It was Jesus who was providing this boat of safety that you and I can stand on. Noah and his family were on this boat. They were rescued from the flood. And like countless people 2,000 years after Jesus came, people are continuing to put their trust in Jesus Christ to get on that boat of safety. We don't have to worry about the future because God has given us a picture of what that looks like. And we are held in his hands. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. What does that mean? That means I'm safe. I'm safe in the hands of God. And how can that be, man, when I've rebelled against God? It's because God loves you and me, when we put our faith in him. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Isn't that cool? It's God. It's God. And um, what a privilege it is to know that At one time, we were separated from God in this kingdom of darkness. He did something about it by sending his son, Jesus. And he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, purchasing our freedom and forgiving our sins. So yes, there's a death penalty. There's a death penalty when we live our lives on our own. But there's also a gift, a free gift of salvation that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we can get on that boat of safety like Noah and his family did. And when the floods come, when this culture disseminates, breaks up, we're in a safe place. Jesus came finding his way, dying on the cross. And we see that in 1 Peter 2, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Jesus carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, just like Noah. Chapter 318, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. There it is. There's the promise. He's going to bring you safely home to God. When you pass away, when I pass away from this earth, we go right into the presence of God. It says he will bring you safely home to God. No, cross your fingers, you know. I hope so. No, it's a promise. Safely home, just like Noah. 
we too can place our trust in Christ and he will bring us safely home. You see, Isaiah 59, 2 said, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's your sins. You know, we think we're good. I can work my way to heaven. No, it's your sins that have separated you from a holy God. But here's the cool thing, 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That's a promise. And this morning, man, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, we'd love for you to participate in communion today. And it's simply saying, Jesus, I believe you went to the cross to take my place. I believe you were my substitute. And today, I thank you for the great price that you paid for me. Forgive me of my sins. I'm confessing them to you. And I'm inviting you, Lord, to become my spiritual leader. And so, yes, God created you and I to be with him. That's why he made you. That's his purpose. But our sins separate us from him. So what does God do? Blow it off? No, no, no. He sent his one son, Jesus, to go to the cross to pay your debt, my debt in full. And everybody who puts their trust in him has eternal life with him forever. <laughs> We're on that ark of safety. And so 11, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. What a privilege we have to do that this morning. We are announcing his death until he comes. He's coming. And Jesus came. He came to my rescue and your rescue. What a gift. What a gift. And as we participate in communion, Hebrews 9.22 reminds us that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. So that's why we celebrate with this juice reminding us it's the blood of Jesus that forgives, cleanses us, takes our sin and puts his righteousness back into us. We're free. So let's take your communion cups. Pull your wafer out. On the night... When Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together in Jesus' name. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord.
Father, we thank you today for the great price that Jesus came to pay for our sins. We thank you, Lord. We celebrate you. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fear the future. Noah didn't. And likewise, Lord, you have prepared a way for us. You have rescued us. And we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.